All right, well, good evening, friends. If you have your, you have your what's up, Landon? Good to see you, man. Hey, uh, if you have your Bibles, Book of Daniel. Go ahead and find that. We're going to be there all week. Daniel. Daniel chapter 1, we're going to go first seven verses for tonight. <clears throat> Friends, as you turn there, just a couple questions as we get into the night, then we'll pray. Mm. Friends, I feel like we live in a culture now that is changing so rapidly. And it's changing toward things that leave everyone confused. And I think there's an attack on your identity. If I, have to, if I were to ask the question, and I don't want you to answer this one back, but maybe in the future, but on this one, if I was to ask you, who are you? Start thinking through how would you answer the question and maybe even answer that in your, in your time together in your cabin. Like if I say, who, who are you? I feel like a lot of times the way we answer that question is based on what we do, what we're good at. The only problem with that is that when you're not able to do that anymore, you don't know who you are. So example, growing up, I, I, I played a lot of basketball. In high school, I played a lot of basketball. Uh, my senior year is when I finally was able to dunk, except I never got to dunk in a game. I remember there was this break. I mean, I remember uh, a guy stole it, our point guard stole it, and I went, I, went, I went running down the side, and I thought, this is it, this is it. And as he dribbles, he fell over and lost the ball. And I thought, you suck. Are you kidding me? No, I didn't. Well, I did say that, but it wasn't the right heart. But I looked at it, it's like, okay, so I could have dunked then, but I, did, I couldn't. Now, not even close. I can't do it. So if all of a sudden I go, wow, I, I was a basketball player, but when I can't do that anymore, I don't know who I am. So whatever you're good at, that's not who you are. That's part of what you do. But I have to ask you, who are you? So we have a culture that's trying to change everything. And it's so important for you to know who you are so that you're actually answering questions correctly and you're living out the life that God wants you to live. Guys, I know that in a room filled with this many people, many of you are followers of Jesus. And I know also that many of you aren't. And then maybe some of you are, like you're kind of on that middle, you're in the middle. Just by a show of hands, can I ask you, how many of you have been brought up in the church? Just so I have an idea. You've been going, grown, grown up going to church your whole life. There's a whole lot of you. I mean, I mean and, and then you come to a camp or you go to youth group or you hear somebody preach, it's like, well, I've heard it all, right? I mean, I've been going since I was in the womb. That's where I took communion, the umbilical cord. I'm like, I like that. It's like, you're, you're all in. It's like, I know the church life, but my question to you is this. Are you a person who goes to church or are you a follower of Jesus? Because they're so different. And our world needs to see the difference. Friends, we are supposed to stand out. And yet I wonder how much of our time is being spent trying to fit in. Isn't it weird? We want to fit in with everyone and do the exact same thing that everyone's doing while everyone who is doing the exact same thing pretends like they're doing something that's actually individual. So I want you to think through that question, who are you, as we look at this passage for tonight. Can we pray together?
Let's pray. Father, thank you for letting us be together up here again. Thank you for a time to open your word and God to hear truth. And I pray that you would take a feeble attempt on my part at making much of Jesus and do an incredible work. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would start that in me first and foremost. God, I would always be sensitive to your teaching, your rebuke, your correction, your encouragement that I might live a life that is set apart for Jesus. And then I pray that over all of us in the room, God. God, for those who are here that love you, help us love you more. God, for those who are just kind of in the middle, God, I pray that you would help them make the decision, choose now whom they will serve. God, for those who do not know you, have not surrendered to you, God, bring, bring them, I pray this week, to a place where they surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. God, would you open up your word to us like never before in a book that many of us have read, a person that many of us have heard of. Jesus, make yourself evident, we pray. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says, amen. Daniel chapter one, starting verse one. In the third year of the reign of, of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he, Nebuchadnezzar, brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Stop there for just a second. This is, this is what people thought back in the day. Pretty much every people group, they'd go off to battle. When they went off to battle, they all had their own gods. And that, the responsibility of that God was to help those people win the war. And so then whoever won the battle, it was thought that that's the God that actually won, that that God is more powerful than the other God. So now picture this, God hands over his own people. Guys, that doesn't sound like God is faithful, does it? I mean, haven't you heard people say, hey, God's always faithful. He's always there for you. He's always going to come through. And then you read a verse like this in verse 2, and the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. So how is it you can have a verse like this in Daniel chapter 1, verse 2, and have people say that God always comes through? Well, guys, here's the context. For years upon years upon years, the people of Israel had been rebelling against God. They were living in sin. God would send prophet after prophet and to warn them to repent. Guys, do you know what the word repent means? I feel like it's not used a whole lot today, but here's what repentance means. So picture I'm going one direction. To repent means I turn and make a U-turn and go the other direction. So it's not just turn away from something, but it's also turn towards something. So here comes, here comes the prophet speaking on behalf of God, God giving them words, tell my people to repent, tell them to come back. Guys, when we read the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah preached for about 40 to 50 years and never saw one person repent. Youth leaders, can I ask you a question? How many of you would feel discouraged after 40 or 50 years and not seeing any, any change? My question to you youth workers for just a second, guys, if at the end of the day, how do, you, how do you gauge whether or not you were successful in ministry? The question is huge, but I think the answer brings about freedom. I think the answer is this, were you faithful? 
And if you were faithful, then realize that the applause of heaven is deafening, that God is so pleased and proud of your efforts. And you may sit there and go, but I didn't see this person come to Jesus or this person. Friends, when I did youth ministry back in the day, I had this whole wall of pictures of youth. And high schoolers would come in and they would give me their picture, and especially, especially like a prom picture or homecoming picture. And they'd say, Brian, can you put this on your wall? And I had, to, I had to warn every single one of them, no joke. I said, realize every single picture that has gone up here of these couples, and you guys are so in love and you feel it, you feel it. Like you're so in love. I said, every single couple has broken up. And every single couple holding that picture, they look at me, and it's like they look and go, not us. Our love is pure, and it's wonderful. Okay, so they bring me, they bring me the picture. So I put it up there on the wall. Every single one of them broke up, except for one, and I actually did their wedding about 10 years ago. But the only ones made it. And then I'd let them sign my walls. They could sign it, they could do whatever they want. So you have people sign on the walls and the ceilings with markers, but that picture or that big, huge bulletin board with all the pictures, guys, it was this constant reminder for me that I was a failure because I would look at the, I would look at the pictures and I would go, that person's not walking with the Lord. They're not, they're not, they are, they're not, they are. I think they are, they're not, they're not, they're not. And I realized maybe it's not all on me Youth workers, it's really on God. Are you being faithful? Just be faithful. Students, how could we as people who want to pour into your lives tell you that God is faithful and you read a verse like this? Guys, do you realize that sometimes the most loving thing that God can do is to hand us over to our sin that we would repent and come back to Jesus? Guys, Romans chapter one, you see God speak of this Romans chapter one talks about the wrath of God. You must picture the wrath of God like God's just taking thunderbolts and just chucking them at people. But guys, it's really this, when God hands out his wrath and there might be those times, there will be those times in the book of Revelation, but also there's this wrath where God just hands you over to your sin. Like if you wanna rebel, he hands you over for the purpose of what? Guys, it's in chapter two that says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Maybe for some of you, guys, I get life just comes and sometimes we just don't know where all the junk came from and maybe you're living for Jesus and you're doing the best you can and you're still going through that and that's a different topic. It doesn't automatically mean that you're in sin but for some of you, you're trying to rebel against God and you keep going and you keep going. You realize that at some point God's gonna say, then your will be done. For the purpose of what though? That you would come to a place of repentance so is God always faithful? Absolutely. Always faithful. And it's, you'll see it as we continue through the book of Daniel. You get to chapter 1, verse 3 again. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility. Stop there for just a second. Remember, if a, God, if, if a people beat this people, this God is stronger than this God. So here comes Nebuchadnezzar, their false God, and here's Yahweh. Here's God. Doesn't, doesn't it now look like Yahweh lost? If it looks like Yahweh lost and that their God is more powerful, all of a sudden there's arrogance that builds up. Guys, I promise you this, God has never lost. He may make it seem like he's gotten a little quiet, but he's never lost. 
So we jump back in verse four, end of verse three, verse four. It says, both of the royal family and the nobility used without blemish of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. Here's what Nebuchadnezzar did, just pick the best. Pick the best youth, your age, a little bit older, pick them and make them think like us and act like us and do the things that we do. Friends, guys, don't we have a society and a culture that's constantly trying to tell us what we're supposed to be thinking, what we're supposed to be doing? Guys, think about it. How often are you just scrolling? If you have a cell phone, if you have one of those things, how often are we just scrolling, looking at people's lives, all these fake lives, and then comparing our lives with the fake lives, wishing we could be more like them, all the while, so are they. Guys, it's weird. I remember when social media came out, and it's been a long time ago. I was one of those pastors that would take pictures anywhere I'd speak, and I would take it from the back of the room where kids are, where students are, where people are, but I'd angle in such a way and made it look like there's 10,000 people there, and there was like seven. And then I'd put a hashtag, blessed to be here. And I couldn't say, well, I'm just trying to do the Lord's work, trying to get the word out. I'm just trying to let people know of what it is that I'm doing. Oh, no, no, what it is that God's doing. And all the while, Jesus said, don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. Like, don't make it known to people. Just do it. And so we place our best life before people. Most of the time, the best life was, was fake, at least back in the day, and I was, felt, I was so convicted of it. And I gave it all up. You're like, what? How could you do that? Guys, my brain still works. My heart still pumps. It's weird. I actually have more time. Like, you can do this. But now, guys, the ones that get the most hits or the most likes or the most notices are becoming more vile, more violent, doing things that are absolutely, they leave us embarrassed or at least it's like you sit and go, I'm trying to live this life that's holy and set apart for God. And now we have people just outright just showing depravity and sin. And what do we do? We just keep watching it. And so I ask you the question, do you know who you are? Because there's a whole world trying to do this same thing. Watch what it is. When you get to verse five, the king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. And they were to be educated for three years. And at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Guys, if you can get people to think a certain way, then you can get them to behave however you want them to. You teach them certain things. You teach them certain languages. Guys, you teach them normal things that this is how our world works. Then all of a sudden you can change behaviors. Guys, this is why the Bible is so important because it sets things up for us. Now notice the people that are mentioned. Verse six, among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chiefs of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel, he called Belteshazzar. Hanani, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach. And Azariah, he called Abednego. Now here, I know it's, hang in there with me. We'll, we'll, we'll get to some crazy stuff in just a second. Guys, you ever notice you know the name Daniel? But do you guys know the name Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah? Of course not. We always think of this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Here's the thing. Why would, why would they want to change their names? 
Guys, each of those names meant something. Daniel's, Daniel, the name Daniel means God my judge. That's what Daniel's name means, God my judge. But then when you get to Hananiah, it means whom Jehovah hath favored. That's what his name means. It's like, hey, God likes me. Let me ask you a question, a show of hands. How many believe that God loves you? Be honest, shout it out. You know this, God loves you. And not like halfway Baptist, like get charismatic on this one. Like hands all the way up. You know this, right? So hands down. Now, how many believe without a shout out that God likes you? This is where like, oh. What do you mean by like? Do you mean like or like, like, like? Like, what do you mean by like? It's like, oh, all of a sudden our hands get really heavy, right? Because we actually picture that God is just putting up with us. Guys, when God calls his people his treasured possession, guys, that doesn't sound like someone who's just loving you because he has to. Guys, I want you to hear this, understand this. God loves you, adores you, and enjoys you. He likes you. Guys, think about it. God's the one who created fun. He created laughter. Guys, you ever laugh so hard you thought you wet yourself? Isn't, isn't it weird? It's like, okay, here's the thing. Ladies, I want to warn you. If, if you're ever sitting around guys and girls are all together and all of a sudden one of the, one of the ladies say, hey, if you don't stop, like you're laughing. If you don't stop, I'm going to pee my pants. Every guy there hears that and goes, challenge accepted. <laughs> Every single guy sitting there going, how can we make that happen? <laughs> Gentlemen, if I'm telling the truth, just say amen. amen. That's what I'm saying. Okay, so just, you've been warned. But guys, here's the thing. That same God created laughter. He created humor. Guys, and, and the creativity in, in what he's created, even laughter. Guys, you ever, you ever notice how many different laughs there are? Now, there's some that are amazing. Like, some of you guys have this laugh that's contagious. Like, all of a sudden, you start to laugh, and people are like, come on, come on, come on, come on. Angels are descending to listen. Like, oh, my gosh, listen to that. And then there's others of you. No, you start laughing. Shh. Man, it sounds like pigs being killed. It says, what the heck was that? Shh. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Shh. Here's God going, hey, I'm going to create all these different types of laughs. I'm going to create the concept of fun and joy. Guys, here's the thing. I think, I think we've turned God into someone that he's not. We just think he's putting up with us, and he's not as impressive as we think that he is. Friends, there are angelic beings. There are 100 million angels surrounding the throne right now. And Jesus is sitting on the throne. And they're all in worship. They're singing and, and they're bowing before him. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah's going, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple with glory. And the whole earth was full of his glory. And he says, and there's one seraphim screaming out to another seraphim. Guys, a seraphim is a, it's an angel who's on fire and likes it. So you have one fiery being screaming out to the other fiery being, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. 
Holy means separate, set apart, not like us. Guys, God is personal and friend and loves us, but he is holy and terrifying and mighty and majestic. And for some of you, you've treated Jesus for far too long like your homeboy, as if he's some equal to you, rather than bowing down before him as the holy God creator of the universe. Guys, do you realize that in the beginning, God is the one who created everything. He spoke everything into existence. Isn't it amazing to you that we live in a world that tries to tell you that everything started by nothing? Nothing created nothing. In fact, there's, nothing, there's really no creator. It's just nothing. Somehow nothing brought about something. And people who don't know the Lord or believe in that think, well, they always say, hey, you can't just live by faith. Guys, it takes more faith to believe that than to believe that a God created everything. And he said, let there be light. Do you realize that when God said, there, let there be light, Light exploded out of the mouth of God at 186,000 miles per second. Guys, that's the speed of light. So when God says, let there be light, at 186,000 miles per second, boom, light is created. Guys, our Milky Way galaxy is one of about 350 billion galaxies in the known universe, and this universe that's ever-expanding Guys, our Milky Way galaxy is about 120,000 light years wide. That means you go from one end to the other of our own Milky Way galaxy. Guys, it'll take you 120,000 light years. That means you have to go 186,000 miles per second for 120,000 years, and you'll get from one end to the other. And that's one galaxy of about 300 or 400 billion in the known universe. And God said, let there be. God spoke it into existence. Guys, you realize that the psalmist is the one who says, out of, out of the breath of God came all the starry hosts. That means when God exhaled, the sun popped out. Guys, think about it. You exhale, people back up. Like, what the, what was that? God exhales, the sun comes out. Guys, the sun is so big that you can fit 1.3 million earths inside of it. Guys, the, the sun is 93 million miles away. So tomorrow, we get up and there's the sun and you start feeling that heat from, that, from the sun, the closest star to us. You realize that that is traveling 93 million miles to heat up our little planet. And then the earth, guys, it weighs like, they say this, and I have no clue how they know, I have no clue. They say 13 septillion, 176 trillion pounds. I have no, I think that's the national debt. Like, I don't know what that is, but it's like a lot. Here's, now here's, catch the, catch the numbers, ready? It goes from millions, billions, trillions, quadrillions, quintillions, sextillions, septillions. 13 septillion, 176 trillion. And right now, guys, we are spinning at 1,000 miles an hour on that earth. Right now, it never stops. We go 1,000 miles an hour. We're just spinning. Guys, no joke. I get motion sickness on swings. 
No joke. I'm, no, and this sounds weird. I remember I was at a park years ago. I was just sitting there reading, spending time with the Lord. And this thought popped in my head. There's a swing set there. It's like, go get on the swing. I'm like, I'm not, no, that's weird. I was a grown man. There's some kids having fun. It's like, oh, I'm, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. So I finally did. I, I swung for about, I don't know, five, six swings. And I'm like, I want to throw up. I mean, just, it's not good. Guys, the teacups at Disneyland, no way. Some of you are like, I love it. I love it. No, not me. Right now, friends, you are going 1,000 miles an hour. And you don't feel it. I don't feel it. We're spinning at 1,000 miles an hour. While we're spinning at 1,000 miles an hour, Guys, we're going 66,000 miles an hour around the sun. 1,000 miles an hour, 66,000 miles around, an hour around the sun. And then the sun, and I know they say eight planets, but I've always had this thing for Pluto. <laughs> like, it's like, no, he's a dwarf. And I'm like, he's bigger than you. Shut up. So the sun... And the nine planets, they're going around the nucleus of the Milky Way galaxy. They're going, guys, we are going around the middle of the Milky Way galaxy at fi- right now, 540,000 miles an hour. Guys, what makes you think you're in control of anything? We're just hoping we don't crash. And yet for some of you, my question is this. Or maybe if something has said something to this, or you've watched some video that says this, and they have all these complaints about God, and why didn't God do this, and how come he didn't show up for this, and why did God fail me in this, and here's the thing, all that right now, just that, 1,000 miles an hour, 66,000 miles an hour, and 540,000 miles an hour is all happening right now, and you can't even keep your room clean, and you're sitting there looking at God saying, why can't you be better? And yet every angelic being is bowing before this holy God, who breathes out the stars. Guys, do you realize that in our Milky Way galaxy alone, there's about 300 to 350 billion stars in our own galaxy, and then you multiply that by about 400 billion galaxies in the known universe. And God just breathes it all out, and he knows every single star by name. Guys, think about it. When's the last time you told that God what to do? Instead of, sat there, instead of just sitting back and going, God, what do you want to do? Guys, when you see a name like Hananiah had where, hey, God likes me, it means something. God is my judge, it means something. Mishael, his name means who is what God is. No one, nothing is what God is. Guys, when you continue to look through creation, guys, you realize that there's 220 distinct muscles in the head of a caterpillar? I know, I know. You're sitting there going, that's why I came to camp. <laughs> 228 distinct muscles in just the head of a caterpillar. Whose job was that? Think about, no, 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 I know God created it. But who counted it? So you're sitting there going, oh, today's the day. I'm counting the head, the, the muscles in the head of a caterpillar. And it's going to change the world. <laughs> and can you imagine? And like, here it is. And everyone's parting ways. They're like, there he is. There he is. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And as he walks in, he starts to count. Boom, one, two. Gets to like 200. 201, 202. And someone bumps his chair. Oh, crud. One, two, three. And he has to start over. Guys, the head of a caterpillar, 228 distinct muscles. Guys, you realize there's, different, there's dozens of different types of tomatoes? I thought there were two. I thought there was organic and non-organic. Like, that's all. 
or the one that's on an In-N-Out burger. Like, that's all I know. Dozens of different types of bananas. Guys, here's the thing. God, God made zebras. Guys, did you know this? When, when baby zebras are born, mama zebra would take baby zebra away from all the other zebras for a time. Why? So that baby zebra can memorize the stripes of mama zebra. And that makes sense, doesn't it? Can you imagine if they didn't? Baby's born, looks around. Mom? Runs up, runs up, mom, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> Just trying to find mom, but doesn't, because they all look the same. God made the zebra, makes the cat, guys, he made the hippo. You ever wonder what was that? What was that about? Guys, do you realize that more people are mauled to death by hippos than by lions every year? I know. We just think they're all just these cuddly little animals. That's because we have this game called Hungry, Hungry Hippo. Who's played it? Oh my gosh, I didn't know you knew board games. Yes. Guys, this is, this is what we come up with back in my day. Guys, let's get these hippo heads. We're just going to pound. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. And everyone will love them and they'll want to go pet them. <laughs> Guys, do you realize there's over 60 different species of eagles? I know. I thought there was one, maybe two. Guys, do you realize that the eyesight of an eagle is, is eight times greater than a human's eyesight? And eagles can, an eagle can see its prey from two miles away. So you sit there and go, oh, that rabbit's going to get away. The eagle saw him from two miles away, and it's just gliding in. Guys, God said, let there be. Isn't it amazing? I think, I think the human eye sees at 526 megapixels. And you actually have people that say that all that was just created by nothing or by chance. And yet we're so excited when our phones have a 40 megapixel camera and now there's three of them on there, but engineers had to put it together. Isn't it weird? Guys, you realize that your body has 75 trillion cells in it? Every, every three seconds, every three seconds, 50,000 of your cells die off and are replaced by, by 50,000 new ones. Each one of those cells has a DNA strand. DNA strand is kind of like, like God typing out what you're going to be like. Guys, if I, took, if I took every DNA strand out of every single, out of every single cell in my body and tied it end to end, because one cell has a six-foot strand of DNA. If I took every single DNA strand out of, it, out of my body and tied it end to end, guys, that's enough DNA to go from here to the moon and back 178,000 times. And so when the Bible says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made, God is the one who puts you together. God is the one who spoke things into existence. And here's what happens. God, I don't have enough time for you because I'm too busy looking at me. And then we wonder, why do I not feel fulfilled? Why do I not know, why do I not know who I am? Because maybe we're listening to everybody else who's trying to change us. Hey, whose God is like my God? And that last name, Azariah, it means, sir, I'm sorry, Azariah, his name means this. It means whom Jehovah helps. Guys, can I encourage you with this? If some of you are going through the hardest time you've ever gone through in life, God helps. I promise. 
You sit there and go, I don't see it yet. If you don't see it yet, because he's not done yet. Hang in there. You hang in there. God is faithful. And what do they try to change their names to? Daniel tried, they changed his name to Belteshazzar, which means Bel's prince. Bel would be their god. And so it's like, I'm pointing you to one of our gods. So you can't be Daniel who's talking about Yahweh. It can't be about your gods, but it has to be about our God. Hananiah, Shadrach, which points them to the, to the sun god. You get Mishael, whose name is Meshach, and it, it sounds a lot like the Babylon or Babylonian goddess named Shishak. It's just like, let's change his name because we don't want him to know that there's no God like his because, hey, let's remind him of this goddess that we worship who's really nothing. And Azariah, Abednego, servant of the shining fire. It's, again, it's pointing to all these gods. Why? Because if you can change who they think they are, you can change them who you want them to be, then you can make them do and behave the way that you want them to behave. But when you know who God is and what he's like and who he says you are and knowing what it is that he did for us and what it, and what it is that he continues to do for us, when you recognize that, that God who spoke everything into existence, that one who breathed out all the stars. Guys, in Southern California, we don't have any stars. We have like four. Guys, you ever seen Southern Cal people? You ever seen like the one? It's like, just, it's like oh my gosh, shooting stars, blinking red. You're like, ah, oh, praise the Lord. And it says Southwest on the back. <laughs> you're like, I just want to give praise and glory to God. Look at the shooting star. Ah. Guys, when you're here, go outside and look up. And you look up and you go, twinkle, twinkle, little star. How oh, I wonder what you are. Guys, you know what that is? It's a fireball that would destroy you if you got any closer. And God said, Pah. When's the last time you told that God what to do? But when's the last time those of you, hey, are you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you truly love Jesus, when is the last time you actually, you actually believed that God favors you? Guys, how long will you struggle between two places? You're going to love God, follow God? You're going to follow everything else that everybody else is following because we're so afraid. We're so afraid of what people think of us other people who are just as screwed up and messed up as we are, we're all broken and we're all rebellious against God. But God, God steps in. Guys, I want to encourage you, and this is where we're close. This is where we're laying the plane. Guys, instead of starting with who you are, I want you to start with this. Start with who, who is God. You have to come to some conclusion about that. Because who you are has to be connected to whose you are. Who you are has to be connected to whose you are. Guys, everything changes when you get that. One last story. I, growing up, my dad, was a, my dad was a cop. Girl, growing up. I remember the first time I got to go to work with my dad, like a ride-along, I was 10. I'm not going to lie, as a 10-year-old, I'm like, this is awesome. He gave me that big radar gun, I felt like Chewbacca. He's like, okay, and my dad was so cool, but he wouldn't, I'm like, I'd get someone one mile, mile per hour over the speed, and I'm like, get him, dad, get him. <laughs> my dad's like, I'm not going to, it's got to be 15 over. I mean, my dad was pretty lenient, but when you step too far, man, he would go after you. But he's a good man. Val I mean, guys, he, man of valor, man of honor, wanted to protect a loving dad, but man, he was tough. 
Guys, he's a Vietnam vet. He was shot nine times with an AK-47 and lived. And when people say, oh, my dad could beat up your dad, I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> dad was shot and he's alive. So I remember I'm on, I'd go to work with him. And I, mean, I, knew, the, I knew the number would be called, that was, that was us. But I knew if more than one number was called that there was something big and more than one number was called. And then it said this, 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 respond to a bar fight. And I'm like, yes. Because in my mind, I'm not 10-year-old son, I'm 10-year-old partner. Like I was like, oh my gosh, like, don't tell mom. Because I'm going go to get a bar fight with my dad. <laughs> then all of a sudden we show up. He jumps out and he says, stay here and locks me in the car. I'm like, oh, oh. I look like a puppy. Oh. <laughs> partner. And all of a sudden, he comes out with a guy and puts him in the back seat. There's a cage there. He puts him in the back seat. He's handcuffed. That's the one the guy's in the fight. Goes back in there because his partners are in there still fighting. But as he puts him in there, he says, don't, hey, stay there. Locks the door. And boom, there I am. Front seat. Dude's in the back. <laughs> breathing on my neck. <laughs> Guys, I'm picturing X-Men coming through the cage and like taking my face off. <laughs> I'm not saying a word. Here I am. Big old bad 10-year-old ready. Jumping in. I'm ready to go. I'm ready. Bar fight. Here we go. Here we go. Then the guy's in the back seat. Dad comes back. We have to take the guy to the station. As my dad gets in the car, the dude starts talking to me, and I am terrified. <laughs> terrified. Until dad says this. Calmly says this. Do you, do not, don't you, I'm sorry, don't you dare start talking to my son. And then I was like, you want some of this? I was like, I was all ready to go. I'm like, you want some of this? Was it because I was big and bad? Guys, I was 10. No. It's because my dad was big and bad. Guys, when God is big and, big and massive and majestic and holy, you start asking for things that are big. You know he can protect. You know he can take care of. You know you can guard you. You know that he's, you are his and he's yours. And that changes everything. And he's worth it. But catch this, and this is where I'll, I'll pray after this. Guys, I want you to understand, Jesus is worth it. But from guys, the cross is Jesus' way of proclaiming to you, you're worth it. Guys, we're not worthy of what it is that Jesus did for us, but the cross is God's declaration that we're worth it. That's the difference. Knowing who I am is directly connected to who God is. Therefore, I know who I am because I know whose I am. Can I pray? Let me pray. No, let me pray. Think about who we're talking to. Father, thank you. Thank you that you are so different than us. God, forgive us for how often we don't treat you like that. God, would you please, please do a great work this week, reminding us of how great you are, how wonderful you are, but also how big you are and powerful you are. And God, may that bring us comfort and peace. God, would you encourage, please, would you encourage? Would you bless? Would you help? God, I pray that we would be in awe of you, even tonight as we spend time in cabin time.
talking about you. And may we know that we are loved by you. God, may we take a stand at some point with a world that tries to change who we are. May we hold on to whose we are. Hold on to you. And may everything that we do and everything we are be directly connected to you. God, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says, amen. Love you all more than you know.